got to ask you a couple of questions and see if I can get some answers today. Now, moms and dads and everybody else in here, we're going to be talking about um, Matthew chapter 22, beginning in verse 1, if you want to turn there, where it talks about wedding guests and wedding invitations and a little bit later about a wedding feast. So I'm going to ask you all guys, uh, first of all, what's something you just really, really, really don't like doing? What's something you don't like doing? Huh? You don't like riding your bike. Okay. What about you? Doing what to the yard? Sweeping the yard. Okay. All right. Yes, sir. Homework. All right. All right. Good. I got That's enough. That's all I need right now. All right. So here we go. How many of you like parties? Okay. Almost everybody likes parties. How many of you sometimes, though, Sometimes you really don't want to go to a certain party. Nobody? Okay. How many of you sometimes don't really want to go to a party? Okay. All right. See, when you get old like they are, you, you get all partied out, you see. And so sometimes you don't really want to go. But let's suppose, let's just try to think about this, that there was a party and you really don't want to go and you just stayed home, but... Because you didn't go, you've got to do something that you really, really, really don't like. Like you've got to rake the yard and sweep the yard for the whole time the party's going on, like for three hours, okay? That'd be a bummer, wouldn't it? What if you had to do homework for three hours while they're having a party somewhere else? That'd be a bummer. What about if you had to take your shoes and socks off and stand on Legos for about three hours? How would that be, huh? That wouldn't be a lot of fun. Well, Matthew, oh, you like that? Well, Matthew chapter 22 talks about some consequences for not responding when the king gives you an invitation. Boy, when the king says something, that's different from just anybody else. And when we learn in the Bible that the king really talks about God, that makes it altogether different because God is going to invite you sometime. If he hasn't already, God is going to invite you to love his son, Jesus Christ, and to trust his son, Jesus Christ, as your personal savior. Always, always, always say yes to God's invitations, okay? Always, because that's the best plan in the whole wide world for you. God has a wonderful plan for the rest of your life. So always say yes to God. Let's bow our heads. Our Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have of meeting together today. I pray that every one of these young people would be blessed by you in a very special way in the class that you would be with the teachers, that you would anoint them with your Holy Spirit, and that you would give them truths that these young minds will not only understand but grasp and hang on to and hide away in their heart for the rest of their lives. Lord, I pray every one of these young people that would make the decision and determination to follow you and to accept you and to, and to do whatever you tell them to do. Father, I pray that not one of them would be lost. We pray in Jesus' name. And all the kids said... All right, God bless you. Go ahead and go to your class right now, and I'm going to ask moms and dads to turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 22. Matthew, chapter 22. And you have no doubt at this point in your life, if you've been around very much, very long at all, received some significant invitations to parties and significant invitations, in fact, to weddings. Maybe they were from a coworker. Maybe they were from a best friend. Maybe they were from a sister or brother or maybe a son or daughter. And they were very, very special. And most of them asked for RSVPs. And I'm going to ask Gat, what does RSVP stand for? Uh, 
That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> Did you all hear that? Uh, so, well, uh, tough. Uh, Repondez, s'il vous plaît. Is that good? Okay, that's close enough. And, and it translates to please respond. So you get this invitation in the mail. It says there's going to be this wedding on such and such a day, June the 14th, 1969, in Calvary Baptist Church in Junction City, Kansas, and RSVP. Let it respond, please. Let us know if you're going to be there so we can make plans. Now, in this context, this parable, and a parable is what? It's, it's God teaching us a lesson about things we don't know about using things we do know about. Okay, so that's how he teaches us. The things we know about, he uses in order to teach us lessons that we don't know about. So, uh, so in this, this is the third uh, parable in a row concerning subordinates and their masters. And this time it's about a king and, this, and his citizens. And it's important to remember that oftentimes in the parable, and in this case it's true, the king refers to the king of kings, the Lord God, and so this parable refers to God. So in Matthew 22, 1 through 14, we find an unusual wedding request where attendance was not asked but demanded, and it was not a pretty pleased type of invitation. So let's look at verse 1 of uh, Matthew chapter 22. And Jesus answered and spoke unto them again by parables and said, the kingdom of heaven, literally, literally, the, the reign of the Messiah, that's what he's talking about, the reign of the Messiah is like a certain king which made a marriage or had a ceremony or celebration for his son. And he sent forth his servants, his, those who tended to uh, the business at hand that he had, to, to call, and it means call loudly by name, specific invitations to specific people uh, that were bidden to the wedding, that they would come that they would not come, rather, um, to call them that were bidden to the wedding. And they would not come. They determined they weren't going to go to the wedding. And again, or further, he sent forth other servants, uh, saying, Tell them which are bidden, tell them that are commanded even with a louder voice, literally, Behold, I've prepared my dinner. See, I've made ready my feast, my oxen and my fatlings. What in the world's fatlings? <coughs> and specifically, now it doesn't sound very good, really, right? Fatly, we're gonna have. What are you gonna have for dinner? We're gonna have some fat, you know. Not not what are we gonna be for dinner? What are we gonna have for dinner? Fatlings. You know what this was literally? I just found this out. I didn't know this before. It was a Paschal lamb, a Paschal lamb. If that doesn't ring any bells, it should, because the 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 Paschal lamb of lambs was God, God's son, Jesus Christ. He was the Paschal Lamb, the sacrifice, the Christ, the anointed one. And he said, my oxen, my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. They're all prepared. Come now unto the marriage. Come literally now unto the marriage. But they made light of it. They were careless and made little of this invitation. And they went their ways. They departed and went their own ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise, his trader work, and the remnant, the rest of them, uh, took now th this is amazing. They took hold of these servants that were bearing the invitations, and they treated them spitefully and shamefully, and they slew them. They actually destroyed them. They actually killed them. I mean, you talk about not wanting to go to a party, not wanting to go to a wedding. I mean, this is kind of extreme, you know. 
if, if we ever send out an invitation and say, would you come to this party? And you say, you know, I really don't want to come. I think I'll kill you. Please don't, please consider just not coming, okay? That, that would be fine with us. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth. He was aroused to anger. And he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. What in the world is going on here? What kind of wedding is this? If you don't come, you get to your toast. You're gone. You're liquidated. You are neutralized. You are dead. Again, parables teaching us things we don't know about by using things we do know about. We know about weddings, most weddings. We know about most wedding invitations. We know that usually they're voluntary. We know that if you don't go, you don't necessarily have to meet with your demise for crying out loud. So what is going on here? Well, okay, here's, the, here's, the key, here's some keys to this parable. First of all, the king is God. Secondly, the son is Messiah. Thirdly, the servants taking the invitations could be angels or could be prophets and preachers and so on. And the invitees were Israel. They were the chosen people. <coughs> and there were two invitations. There was one early on, uh, non-specific, because that was the, the oriental custom. Uh, they, would, they would oftentimes, it's like the, like a... Uh, the coming for the bride, uh, she, the bride knew that the groom was coming. She just didn't know exactly when. That's a weird, that's a weird thing, isn't it? How'd you like that, Hope? You know, you guys are getting ready to get married, and it's like, uh, Ryan, when are we going to get married? Well, it'll be sometime between, you know, oh, September 1st and September 30th. Just be ready. <laughs> yeah, right, buddy. <laughs> yeah, you know, you've been married long enough. No, he went uh, like that. Okay, so, <clears throat> so there were two of them The first one, nonspecific. The other one had date, time, very specific as the location. So the king was at first very, very patient. When people did not RSVP, he sent out an additional invitation. He was persistent in, in pursuing them. He said the Paschal Lamb is already slain. The, the Paschal Lamb was the basis for atonement in the Levitical system. When the Paschal Lamb was slain, that blood was a covering uh, was a covering for uh, the sins of, of Israel. And time was of the essence. He says, come now. Come now. Time is ready right now. The invitees just didn't care. They just did not care. They were not emotionally invested. They didn't care. And in fact, uh, they get so um, passionate about not caring, if that makes any sense at all, that they killed the bearers of the invitations. And then the, as a response, the king then kills those who were invited. What a mess, you know? What a complete mess it is. So the, so the preparation here is the father and son are prepared for eternal celebration. The invitation is sent to Israelites. They refuse to, to atone, uh, to attend, rather, and consequently to be atoned for. See, the gospel, folks, was originally offered to God's people, Israel. They rejected the gospel. That's what the crucifixion is all about. And so because of that, consequently, then the message was turned to the Gentiles. We need to be very thankful about that, extremely thankful about that. So the Father and Son are prepared. The invitation is sent. They refuse to attend. Let not your heart be troubled, Jesus said. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to what? Prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So, you know, he's teaching us about, about preparations that God has made 
for our eternity. God has done everything necessary. There's not a person here that needs to go to hell. There's not a person on the island of Coronado that needs to go to hell. There's not a person in the United States of America that needs to be separated from God forever and ever. There's not a person in the seven and a half billion people or however many in the world today, maybe more today, maybe eight billion today, I don't know, since last night, uh, but however many are here, not one needs to be separated from God for eternity because God who created us God also made a way for us to get back to him when that connection was broken by our sinfulness, by our refusal to obey God. So the, so, so the problem is this, the invitation is given, but just like today, so many do not respond. The gospel has been preached freely in, in our country for for. Decades for hundreds of years. And there are still people who refuse to respond. And, and, and Jesus said, enter in at the straight or the narrow gate because wide, broad, and spacious is the way that leads to destruction or perdition or complete ruin. And many there be which go in thereat because narrow is the gate and compressed is the way which leads into life as opposed to death and few there be that find it. If you are, in fact, a born-again child of God, you are in a distinct minority, not only in the world, but I believe in our own country. And that's the problem. People are not responding. So the punishment is they are destroyed. Now, I didn't write that. No Baptist wrote that. God had holy men of old write as they were moved upon by the Holy Spirit of God. And Revelation 20, verse 11, but the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So what happens next? Well, they're, they're destroyed, and then the unworthy are invited instead. The, and, and that, it's us. We are unworthy. We absolutely are unworthy. We're, we're Gentiles. We weren't God's even chosen people. Israel was God's chosen people, but they would not respond. And so the gospel went outward. And so they, they were commanded to take the gospel into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. And that's still our job, by the way, to take the gospel around the world. So we see the invitation shunned. Then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but they who were bidden... We're not worthy, not fit, not congruous, not of the same mind, the same kind, not of the same heart. So here's what I want you to do. He said, go you therefore into the highways and hedges. What does that mean? Go to the outskirts of town. Go where the road ends. Go where, go where there are people out living, the homeless and, and, and the camps and, and the people outside of the city. And as many as you shall find, bid to the marriage so that servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad, and the word bad here doesn't mean um, what we think it means. It, it means physically diseased, impaired, and the good, the upright, and the honorable. And the wedding was furnished with guests. It was filled with those who dined together. So God went out beyond the initial circle of people who were invited because they would not respond. So then we see corruption in verse 8. None of us were worthy of the invitation. It's a picture of us. You know, I don't know if you've been watching, if you watch that TV program, This Is Us. Oh, my goodness. 
you know, keep a box of Kleenexes, you know, if you do. I'm telling you what, it's unbelievable. But you want to know what this is us is really all? This is us. We are sinners. This is us. We are undeserving of the invitation of God. This is us. We are, uh, we are the outcasts. We are, uh, we're not um, part of, we're not perfect. We're not close to it. We're, we're a church of, of people who are hurting people. We have our faults and our failures. We have our hurts and hang-ups and, and hiccups and all that kind of stuff. We're just regular people. I mean, uh, every once in a while I'm with somebody and, and, and they'll, they'll use a certain uh, word uh, or two and, they'll, and they'll, all of a sudden they'll say, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. As if these ears have never heard that word, you know. Uh, hey, I, I'm, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. If it were not for the grace of God, there is no telling where I would be today. I like what Charles Spurgeon says. If any man thinks ill of you, don't be angry with him because you are worse than what he thinks you are. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. So here's the command, verse 9. They were commanded to come. Uh, and, and, and come on, he bid them to come. Outcasts, you who are hurting, you are broken, you who are uh, weary and weak and, 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 you know, forgotten by most of society. Come on, I've got a banquet. This is the king speaking. My home is your home. My, my doors are open to you. Come on, whosoever will may come. And in John 15, 16, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. And whatsoever you shall ask of the Father, in my name he will give it to you. There's the command. What an incredible command. And it's complete. For, it's, to, it's to all of us, any of us. For God so loved the world. So, so now everything's right, huh? Everything's okay, right? Now he, he went to the uh, to Israel. They turned to one way. He went to the Gentiles. Now they've come in by droves and they're filling up his house and everybody's eating. Everything's doing great. It's, it's, everything's perfect, right? Hold on for a minute. Look at verse 11. The indifference shown. And, and this is, a, my wife asked me this question two, three, three or four weeks ago about this particular passage, and I had to do some studying to get the answer for it. When the king came to see the guests, he saw there was a man who had not on a wedding garment. And he said unto him, friend, and basically, why did you come in without a wedding garment? And the friend was speechless. He didn't have any defense. He was muzzled. He kept it in check. And this, this wedding gets weirder and weirder. And then the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot and take him away. Now, you've maybe seen someone turned away from a wedding, but I doubt that you've seen them bound hand and foot and, and, and taken away and cast him. And the word there has the idea with violence. Don't do it in a sweet manner. You know, it's kind of like, the, uh, you know, when they put a perp in the car, sometimes they go wham, wham, wham against the door, you know, and then they put him in. Not anybody we know, but, but you know, on TV. And put, cast him with violence into outer darkness. And this is a place of damnation for unbelievers. And there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, anguish, utter despair. For many are called or invited, but few are chosen, elect by God. So the indifference is shown. So here's a guy who actually is at the party, at the banquet, at the feast. And he's not dressed for a feast in the king's house. So my wife says, well, wait a minute. 
the servants went out to the highways and the hedges. They found this, way, I don't know, homeless guy maybe. And they said, hey, come on in. we got a banquet for you. You're invited to the king's house. He said, okay. And he goes to the king's house. And, you know, he's not dressed very nicely. What's the deal? Why did they bind him and throw him into out of darkness? Here's the key, Pat. I saved it for this morning. I haven't answered her yet because I didn't. I didn't mainly because I didn't know. <clears throat> but the wedding garment is God's robe of righteousness. And, and according to the Oriental custom, often masters, when they invited subordinates to an event like this, would also provide appropriate wedding garments. Instead, this man went clothed in his own righteousness. What is our own righteousness? Isaiah said it this way. We are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And I'm not even comfortable giving the literal meaning here in a mixed crowd of what that really infers. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. So when a person says to me, you know, this person that uh, I'm concerned about, you know, they're not a Christian, they're not saved, they've never trusted Christ, but, but they're, a, they're good people. That's their own righteousness. And our own righteousness, according to God, is putrefaction, something that needs to be discarded, something that needs to be thrown away. Can we even begin to imagine a holy God? Holy? He cannot even look. When his own son is dying on the cross, his life is ebbing out of him with every drop of blood that drops to the ground or runs down the cross, and God, the Father in heaven, turns his back on his own son because he cannot look upon sin. And Jesus, the Paschal Lamb, the Messiah, the Savior, became sin for you and for me. Word we've spoken in anger, our lustfulness, every action we've ever committed, every place we've been where we should not have been, every sin we've ever thought, said, spoke, done, he took upon himself as if he committed that sin. You see, I really believe with any church, with any group of people, with any number at all, there are a lot of possessors, there are a lot of professors of faith and too few possessors of faith. There are a lot of nominal Christians floating around. Have you noticed that? What does that mean? They're Christian in name. They say they're a Christian or someone says they're a Christian, but they, they really don't live for Christ. Unless you've, unless you've been forgiven by Christ, unless you've responded to his invitation in faith and turned to him as your Lord and Savior, then you're a possessor but not a, you're a professor but not a possessor. There's only one way, folks. There's only one. Look, look what Jesus said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
and no one comes to the Father but by me. No one. That is both exclusive and unequivocal. There is no room for anything else, any other way. And in fact, if there was another way, then the Bible is a lie and there was no need for Jesus Christ dying on the cross. He's the only way. That's why those who treated lightly and disregarded his invitation and didn't respond to his invitation were cast into outer darkness and were destroyed because they chose not to be with the Lord. When this man was confronted, he, he said nothing at all. And, and, and Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 2, verse 1, thou, thou, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man. We have no excuse. We have none. The heavens declare the handiwork of God. We have, most of us have multiple copies of this book called the Bible in our homes. We've heard sermons, maybe hundreds, maybe thousands of sermons. We are without excuse, folks. And when, if we say no, having heard what we've heard, read what we've read, read, seen what we've seen, after all of that, if we say no to God, if we say no to his plan, if we say no to his preparation, if we say no to his paschal lamb, then we are saying, I don't want to be with you for eternity. I do not want to dwell with you forever. And God allows that to take place. Here's a bonus point. This wasn't in part of my original message, okay? Bonus point, because it's from Luke chapter 14, but it also has to do with a wedding. When you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down or recline in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give up your place to this person, and then you will, with shame, begin to take the lower place. Being humiliated is not the same as humility. Don't think so highly of yourself is what he's saying. Don't think too highly. Do you know what? Uh, if we're too good to pick up trash, if we're too good to clean the bathrooms, if we're too good to let babies do what they do on you, <laughs> if we're too good for all that, then we're too good. Well, that's not my job. You know what? This is the body of Christ. We work together. Your job is to do what needs to be done. Do what God gives you opportunity to do. That's my job as well. And I want to lead the charge on that. I don't, I don't want to be, I, I don't want, I'm not too good to do anything. Needs to be done. I've done all the things I just talked about. I went, to, I went to the other church that I was at for a long time, this, about two weeks ago, and walk into the office, I saw some trash on the ground. I picked it up. It's God's house. I'm God's child. I don't have to say, have to say hey, 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 Jim, what's that? Go back there and get that. So don't think so highly of ourselves. Take the lower place, but when you're invited, go sit at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, come up higher. See, they had the, the banquet tables. First of all, they were down low. They were reclining. there, and, and so they had places of honor, you know, like little name cards and all that. And, and you go sit down there at the foot of the table and let him, if he wants to, come up and say, hey, come up here, move up here. Instead of sitting way up here. And then him saying, oh, by the way, that's so-and-so uh, seat. Would you uh, slide down? 
little bit. Then you will be honored in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself, listen to this, will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. And the implication is by God. Being invited to the kingdom of God gives us absolutely no reason to be proud or boastful. Can I say that again? Being invited to God's kingdom and to the banquet table is not grounds for boasting and pride because there's nothing I did or you did to deserve that invitation. We ought to approach the kingdom with humility and gratitude. Do you know the seven things that God hates? One of them is pride. The honor comes from God. He is the one who honors with the invitation. He is the one who honors with the seating. And the Bible says that the first, one of these days, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. The invitation is to you. My question is, have you responded to that invitation? Have you received Christ as your Savior? Are you part of his family? tonight, today, by virtue of the new birth. And if you're not, would you be? Can I ask you to bow your heads, please? Our Father in heaven, this is a holy time. This is an important time because there may be people here who have yet to respond to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, who have yet to respond to the invitation, who have yet to RSVP for the kingdom of God. So, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would show us what we need to do and help us to be willing to do it. Lord, you've prepared. You are preparing right now. You've said a dwelling place for us. And you're going to come and get us again one of these days. And you invite whomever you will. And I pray that we would be very careful at rejecting or refusing to RSVP while we can. And Lord, clothe us in your righteousness. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Would you stand? The invitation is open. This is another invitation. You don't have to RSVP for this one. You just need to come on down. Fitz, would you be over here? Any guys? Any men? God's laid something on your heart. There's a decision you need to make, an invitation you need to accept from the Lord. Go see Fitz. He'll pray with you. He'll counsel with you. If you don't want to tell him details, you don't have to. He'll still pray with you. Rachel. Pat, right over here. Ladies, if you have a need, special need today, if God's spoken to your heart about something specific, respond I can't say RSVP. I can't say it in French. Just RSVP. Take care of it right now. As the praise team leads us, come on.
service. You can see Fitz or myself or Rachel or Pat. We'll be glad to do what we can, all right? So uh, check us out. Talk to us after the service. Tuesday, uh, leadership team meeting at 7 p.m. here. Should not be a long meeting, but some business we do need to take care of. And then bulletin, check the bulletin for small group activities this week. Next Sunday is the message I was going to preach last Sunday on sheep or goats. Sheep or goats, get them sheep out of here. This is cattle country. Sheep or goats, uh, that'll be next Sunday morning, the parable. And then marriage seminar, March 2nd and 3rd. Where's the sign-up sheet? Did it make it around? It's back here in the back on the back table. Be sure to sign that if you didn't do so. Uh, so we have plenty of everything we need, and be sure to think about, pray about, and let us know, RSVP, about the Basque student opportunity that we have. So, all right. God is good. Amen? Amen. Nick, I'm glad you're here today, man. And Nick's been having a rough time. Uh, by the way, being the fact that I was sick on Super Bowl Sunday is merely a coincidence. <laughs> I, w I want you to know I felt really bad about that. I was really glad the game didn't start till the afternoon because I know some of you are not very, you know, trusting of me in that respect. But praise the Lord anyhow. So let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer and thank him for the day he's given to us. Father, today is your day. All day is the Lord's day. I pray that, Lord, not only are we open to the leading of the Holy Spirit in this service, but that as we leave this place that we invite you to teach us what we need to know and to to tell us what we need to do. And, Father, we need your guidance uh, as we go home, as we uh, have the opportunity to talk to people, as we, um, as we go through our week. God, I pray that you would be uh, the guiding light that we need, that you would go with us everywhere we go, and that whether it's to school or to work or uh, whatever it is, Father, that you would uh, lead us and guide us. Thank you for the invitation. And thank you for the opportunity of knowing Christ as our personal Savior. Lord, may we get concerned about our neighbors and our family members who don't know Christ, for we ask it in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. God bless you. Give a holy wave on the way out, or a fist bump, or whatever else. Thank you for being in God's